0: This is a Mad Dog Show preseason special. Here he is, a Mad Dog.
1: We are thrilled today to have a world-class athlete with us and a DGD, and that is Jamie Kaplan. Welcome, Jamie.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Just to clear up any maybe misconceptions, she did not play football for Georgia, but she did play tennis, and like I said, is a world-class athlete, played at Wimbledon. Right. Played it probably all over the world, and um, man, thank you for joining us.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. Tell
1: us, I want to get into something um, kind of rough here from the beginning. This is oh. something I know your, your family doesn't like to talk about, but you did transfer from UGA to FSU and I'd like to world to know as, you know why that happened.
0: Well you want to know the honest reason? I do. Okay well you know I went to Georgia for two years then I went to Florida State two years because I wanted to learn how to hate the Gators twice <laughs> as much.
1: I knew there was a reason. I knew That's there was a, a reason. Yeah so it worked. Perfect reason. Right. So what years were you at Georgia?
0: I was there 79 to 81. Wow. And then Florida State 81 to 83. And you don't have to do the math. I'll be 62 this year.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, you're there when things are just really starting to pop. I mean, you're there for the arrival of Herschel, obviously. That was my
0: sophomore year. That was your
1: sophomore year. What was it like just to be on campus at that time as as Georgia's just coming onto the national stage?
0: It was great. It it really was. And I, I was friends with Herschel and... You know, I, he was amazing. I, I'd be playing backgammon with him. Oh, uh, really? Beating him so badly, and he'd go, okay, now I'm about to roll doubles five times in a row. And he would, would. roll doubles, like, five <laughs> times in a row. So, um, but just a, such a nice guy. I know one time he came over sorority house and picked me up. We were going to go to the movies or something. Right. And I, I said, Herschel, haunt the horn, because I knew what would happen if he came up to the door uh-huh. right yeah so sure enough the gentleman that he is came up to the door right and he came in he signed autographs for two hours and we missed the movie <laughs> so, but it, it was fun being there at Georgia it was um so that was my sophomore year Herschel's freshman year what a magical year wow and, and then it was a little different when I transferred to Florida State because the football program there was you know Bobby Bowden was just yep. getting it going and I think the first year I was there they had They scheduled Notre Dame and LSU and Michigan and somebody else on the road and started picking off some wins, and so they started this tradition of dancing on Tennessee Street, so everybody would block the streets, but literally, the stadium there, when I got there, and it's beautiful now, Mm -hmm. but it looked like a high school stadium compared to Georgia's stadium. Yeah, wow. However, they did have a great tennis program.
1: Oh, well, I'm sure they probably did. They did, yeah. Obviously. Florida, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. State of Florida, not University of Florida. Right. Now, you at that point had already started to overcome some significant knee injuries, correct?
0: Right. So, I, I we had high school sororities and fraternities right. here in Macon, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was a quarterback. <laughs> it's an important game. Right. And uh, I went, went back to pass and started running and shifted and went down. And I was playing basketball at mm-hmm. the time, so right then I, you know, I was in trouble with Coach yeah. Grady Smith because yeah. I had to tell him that I hurt my knee playing oh, flag sure. football. But uh, um, I, yeah, you know, rehabbed it, and a few months later I was back playing basketball. And then it was a Christmas tournament that December, and I just took a step and they mm-hmm. ACL. So, So when uh, Dr. Fernandez, Tony Fernandez, operated on me, got in there, had torn cartilage, but also had a torn ACL Mm -hmm. that he said looked like it was just dangling and had been torn anywhere from two to four years. Wow. So he just, he didn't repair that. Okay. Which turned out to be a great thing for me because the surgery back then was, you know, now they make an incision this big. Back then... It was an incision like the whole length of the side of your leg and this whole complicated process with the IT band and in a cast and all of that. So because he did not repair it, I'm convinced that's why I was able to play another 11 years on my knee with no ACL. I really think if he had repaired it then, I would not have played professional tennis just because of... The, the procedure back
1: then—that's fascinating because right about the same time in '82 is when I blew out my ACL and I went ahead and had the surgery, and I've got the scars to show for it. Uh-huh. And um, you know, because
0: that would stop your football professional. It sure didn't career? help.
1: Yes, that's exactly. It cut my forty times. See, from I told you, a if four you had to a 47,
0: if you had just waited <laughs> after just, you were done with the NFL, I needed
1: technology to catch up with me, <laughs> but. So, eventually, how many knee surgeries did you have?
0: Well, I think I've had around eight. I think the right knee's winning five to three. Oh, really? Yeah, so you've got both. Yeah, yeah I have. And the left one, just some you know, arthroscopes. Um, Dr. Bill Barnes has been amazing here with mm-hmm. the ACL repairs. Mm-hmm. And when I was on the tour, I, I literally on a Tuesday morning, I had some loose bodies and some roughed up cartilage. Tuesday morning at eight, I had an arthroscope. Right. The nurse came in. I was sitting there with my mom. Nurse came in and she looks at the orders. She goes, excuse me. And she walks out. She came back in. She goes, it's right. You're supposed to report to rehab this afternoon. So I went over at like one o'clock over to their, you know, the rehab place. It was called Atari. And I did the bicycle and the Stairmaster that day. And I did therapy twice the next day, twice the following day. And on Friday morning, I went over, I went out to Idler and I, hit tennis balls four days after my surgery. Wow. So uh, they, they had a big poster of me on the wall with these four Band-Aids on my knee. Wow. You know, hitting a backhand. So I was right back on the tour in, in no time. So I did, you know, I had these injuries, and, yeah, you know, if I hadn't had them, I would have done better, would have played longer. That's what eventually got me at Wimbledon in 89. Right. I Because I didn't have that ACL... I knew what I could and couldn't do on the court. Mm -hmm. And one thing I couldn't do is have my leg out straight and turn Mm -hmm. or come down on it. And I knew I couldn't do that. And I, you know, not even thinking about it while I'm playing, wouldn't do that. But this one particular point, I mean, I was down, I was playing at singles. It's kind of a long story, but they had this thing called the plate at Wimbledon. Uh And it was a consolation for people who lost first round of singles or who played doubles only. So I was playing singles, and I was down 6 to 5 one 30 15 I was almost in the comfort of the locker room. <laughs> I hit a forehand, anticipated a backhand, and then she hit behind me, and I turned, and my leg was straight, and I just... I mean, I literally grabbed my leg because I thought it'd be dangling, right. you know, because it, it hurt pretty bad. So I came home and uh, did some prehab before Mm -hmm. I had it operate on, had the ACL repair. I had every intention of going back on the tour, but I just settled back. Life in Macon, I'd already gotten a job in January that year, River North Mm -hmm. hired me as their director of tennis touring pro. And they said, you travel when you want, you're here you know, when you need to, and you're here when you can be here. So it was a great situation for me. And six months later is when I blew out my knee you know, did the final straw to it. Mm-hmm. So I had a job to fall back on, so I was very blessed.
1: Well, people don't. You hear about you know people blowing out their ACLs just so routinely now in sports that I think most people, unless it's happened to them, don't realize just how traumatic it is. I mean, you know, when you go from being so active and competing at the level you are to all of a sudden you're sidelined. I mean, you. I nah. mean, you could go. It gets depressing. Yeah. It you is. know, you see your teammates doing all that, but. That's nothing compared to you know the other challenges you've ever come, which is obviously your leukemia story. Right, yeah, and it, it makes your ACL stories look like nothing. <laughs> I mean, you're an ACL survivor, uh, leukemia survivor. So I guess maybe tell us a little bit about that. That's just an amazing story in and of itself.
0: Yeah, and you you know I think that the experience I had, 16 years old having this knee surgery and facing something. It was traumatic to me back then because, you know, from the time I hit my first tennis ball, when I was nine years old, I was going to be a professional tennis player. Mm -hmm. And so here I was not, you know, the day after my surgery, my legs, now this is when I'm 15, almost 16, the muscle's been cut through. It's gone down to nothing Um, because I had a big incision for cartilage you know, back then, before right. the arthroscopes were really, mm-hmm. you know, I think they had hit the West Coast, but not the East Coast <laughs> yet. Dr. Job out there in California. But, um, you know, I didn't, sitting there thinking, well, I'm never going to even walk again. You know, it was so dramatic. And I was sitting there doing rehab one day at the hospital. Back then, you stayed in the hospital for like, I was in the hospital 11 days. Really? For a yeah, just a cartilage. Yeah. Now, you it's outpatient, right? Sure, yeah. But I was going to rehab, and I'm just, I was being a, I'm not going to say it on your show. But (laughs) I was not being nice. I was just, woe is me. My world's crumbling. Going to rehab. You Mm -hmm. know, don't make me do that. Right. And and they wheeled in this woman who had had her leg amputated. And I, you know, I'm like, you idiot. Right. That woman would give anything to be me. Yeah. You know? So that was a ha-ha moment Mm -hmm. in my life. And... So I guess, you know, it really changed how I looked at a lot of things. And so um, 2000, I guess it was 2009, late in the year, started having some sciatic pain in my left leg. When I was on the tour, I had it in my right leg. I'm like, here we go again. I got sciatic pain, but oh well, let's, you know, suck it up and move through it. I was teaching tennis. I was still playing a lot. So I was out in um, San Antonio, was playing on the intersectional team the southern southern had a team We'd we play against mm-hmm. southern california and texas and florida and the midwest and right. so all these sections would go to this tournament it's called intersectionals yeah. and so i was playing on the team and god just kept getting worse and worse so i came home and still just kind of battling through it and feel better okay i'm getting better and so about january february i went to dr barnes i said Something's going on here. It's just weird, acting weird. He x-rayed my back, and uh, he said, I don't see anything. We immediately, he knew I had a high pain threshold, dating back to, Mm -hmm. you know, the four days later playing tennis. Right. So he knew I wasn't just complaining about a little pain. So he sent me for an MRI and a CT scan, and it showed this, what at the time they were calling this tissue that was in this one area. And, um one test led to another and a very long needle biopsy. I never saw the needle, but it went from my back to the front here, and I got diagnosed with leukemia mm-hmm. and it was a very rare form instead of being in the blood. it was outside inside the bone the it was outside of the bone it's called an extramedullary and it were they were tumors right, and one of the tumors was wrapped around a nerve leading to my Uh, in my leg, causing that pain. I had another tumor um, on my back, and I had another one on my right leg, and those didn't cause any pain. And so, um, if this one hadn't caused any pain, by the time we figured it out, it would have been too late. And so, I, I was coaching Stratford Tennis at the time, and we had the state tournament coming up the next week, and I asked the doctor, if I could wait to go to Emory the following week. And I got permission to do that. And and so, you know, about nine days later, I started chemo and went through, I was in the hospital for about three or four weeks the first time. And what they do with leukemia is they give you this chemo and they destroy your bone marrow. Absolutely destroy it. And that's where your platelets, your red blood cells, Mm -hmm. your white blood cells. Did you pay attention in science?
1: Well, sometimes, okay. but I know you know you're everybody's friend, and you would you had to wear a mask to keep infection away, and right. so we all had to hold off on hugging you right, until yeah. the mask right, was gone. Right, but so right. I knew that that was you know your immunity was right. compromised. So that's yeah. what
0: they do is they destroy your bone marrow, it regenerates in hopes that it gets rid. You know when it comes back, the leukemia is gone. So mine was mostly gone after the first round. I had a second round. And then I had a third round and had a bone marrow transplant. And I actually got to meet my donor about a year and a half oh, later. Wow. It was really cool. Yeah, uh, We happened to be going to Miami at the same time. And so my whole family came down there, and his whole family was there. Oh, it was, wow. It was a really neat and moment. And that was powerful. It really was. Wow. It really was. So... Yeah, that's been. I'll be thirteen years old. August twenty seventh.
1: Thirteen years in the clear.
0: Yeah. So what they do is the day they come in, the day you have your transplant, that's your new birthday. Okay. And so that was August twenty seventh of two thousand ten. So I got a birthday, my thirteenth birthday coming up.
1: Well, congratulations! Be a teenager. Yes, exactly. That's exciting. Well, it is exciting, and you know, you've you've overcome that, and then you have just become a. Charity powerhouse this <laughs> with all of the different things like the five-star your work with the rescue mission um, That's all I can remember off the top of my head But what are some of the other charities you're involved with and tell us about the ones that you're in now?
0: Well, so growing up I had great role model and my mom so involved with so many charities mm-hmm. giving back and then Mike when he got to that age you know out of college mm-hmm. and a businessman he started getting involved in a lot of charities and so I had great role models in that respect. Mm-hmm. And when I was playing on the tour, I played in a number of pro celebrity charity events and met a lot of your former uh, professional athletes, actors, and actresses. And of course, I always got teased about, you know, making Georgia. It's like the first time I ever met Bud Collins. Okay, he says to me. I'd be willing to bet you're the best player to ever come out of Macon, Georgia. He used to call me the Macon Masher. You know, he always had a... He had a... Uh, Steffi Graf was Frohlein Forehand. Right, and, you yeah. Know. So he always had a nickname for everybody, so I was the Macon Masher. But um, I played in these events, and I'd always say to people, because they teased tease me about being from... Where's Macon? A little yeah. old Macon. And I said, one day I'm having an event, and you're all coming. And so in 1989... I started the, it was called the Charter Celebrity Tennis Classic. Mm-hmm. And it benefited what is now the Advocacy Resource Center, the ARC. And Mike, at the time, because I'm Mary, yeah. was president of the board. And I called Mike and I said, I want to do this event. I have an idea. And who can it benefit? And he goes, Well, I got just the charity. And so that first year, we did it for that. It was back then, it was called the Association for Retarded Citizens. Mm-hmm. Now it's called The, um, the Arc. And we had this event, and I had Franco Harris. Wow. Uh, Robert Fuller from Emergency, Jennifer Savage from St. Elsewhere, Tony O'Dell from Head of the Class, Shirley Hemphill from What's Happening, Lyle Wagner from The Carol Burnett Show, Hank Aaron came down, wow. John Volstad, who was the other brother, Daryl. Okay. On the, <laughs> on the, New it, Heart. New Heart. Yeah. Um, Gosh, who else did we have? We had Dana Hill, who was in Vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Greg Brady. We had uh, Barry Williams from yep. the Brady Bunch, yep. and so you know we had all these celebrities converged on Macon, and we had this three-day tennis event. Yeah, and we raised twenty-three thousand dollars, and I thought I was hot stuff, <laughs> you know, because I was, you know, that was thirty-five years ago. This yeah. is thirty-six years nothing ago. Nothing to this, at. this is thirty-four years ago. This okay. is our thirty-fifth event this Mm -hmm. year so the event started as tennis and then we added golf a few years later um we had chartered celebrity tennis classic the first year the second year there was a another car dealership that's no longer Mm -hmm. the the gentleman who owned it's no longer he hadn't been to Macon in years Mm he sponsored the second year third year Charlie Cantrell five-star took it over I mean I called Mike crying like three months before the event and I said you know the gentleman's name, I said, he told me he can't do the event. <laughs> Mike goes, I'll call you right back. He called, He literally called me back in five minutes and said, Charlie Cantrell said, Five Star will be your sponsor. And so they sponsored it that first year in uh, 1991. And at the banquet, you know, Charlie got up and spoke. He said, we've had a great time at this event. And he said, we're going to sponsor this event as long as I'm around and longer. Wow. And You know, like I said, that first year, we raised $23,000, and over the years, morphed into it was tennis, then we added um, uh, golf, then we dropped tennis the year of the flood, just Mm -hmm. because we were trying to streamline things. Then we kept it golf, added a clay chute, and so now it's a clay chute. An auction and a golf tournament Are you
1: gonna add pickleball because everybody's no, doing pickleball no. come on you want to add something I don't like pickles <laughs>
0: anyway um, so we um, we also benefit not only m- most of the proceeds go to the rescue mission but a good portion goes to Macon volunteer clinic mm-hmm. that Ch- dr. Chapin Henley founded right you know, when we brought Russell mm-hmm. Henley on board because we had Kevin Brown involved for years. Mm -hmm. Kevin was involved since 91, right? and then when we added golf, and then in 99, when he signed his contract with L.A., I asked him if we could put his name on the tournament, and he just was so gracious Mm -hmm. in letting us do that. He's been so involved with the event for so many years. And then brought Russell on board. We said, let's add Making Volunteer Clinic and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So... Uh, you know, we raise over a million dollars now, hey. uh, but I'll tell you five-star is a huge, huge part in that. Mm-hmm. Charlie Cantrell, you know, some of these events, you have a sponsor. Here's my check I'll see at the golf tournament. He's the chairman of the board of the rescue mission. He's just, I mean, we have meetings to, to organize the, you know, the sponsor part of this event. He has this top-level management that is all in mm-hmm. helping get sponsors. So it's truly a team effort with Five Star, with the Rescue Mission, with me, with um, making Volunteer Clinic and FCA. And so it's a big, it's a big old team effort, but, and it's a lot of work. Oh, I'll I, c- I can't even imagine the number a of a emails of you sent. Oh gosh. You know, somebody, I get teased about still having my AOL email. <laughs> I'm like, look, when I started this tournament, in 1989, and I, I'm not sure. Was that... I, I don't know if we had email back then. It, it was along very back. early in was the that, days of email. Yeah. Was yeah. that before after Al Gore invented the internet? I can't, I can't
1: remember. remember. Yeah. So, uh,
0: anyhow... Whenever I got an an email address, I got AOL, Mm well, I can't change it now because everybody's got that. Right. My whole history is in that, you know, the server that I can look up all my old emails. Sure. You know, just refer back to things. Yeah. And I will tell you, I can send big group emails. I tried one year to do a Gmail and I sent a group email and I got in trouble. I got like, you know, this red flag and you can't send an email to a hundred people and I'm really? Like, why? They're playing in my golf tournament. Yeah. I need to send them an email and so anyway I can get away with that with AOL. Well
1: so, that that event alone is, is a juggernaut in making and just the good that it does is I mean, a million dollars. I had right, no 1. idea. Right, one point two
0: million. No, that's not what we net, but we keep our Still. expenses down. Yeah. Um, and I go to like I played in Smoltz's tournament on Monday and that benefits children's health care in mm-hmm. Atlanta. And they have a number of events. So it's not as though they just do one event. If they did one event, they probably wouldn't raise a million dollars. But when I talk to the organizers of that event, and you know, they they do other events to raise a lot of money. When I tell them I raised one point two million in Macon, Georgia, they're they're like, how? And you know, and I tell them just what yeah. I told you. It's it's the it's the rescue mission team. Pat Chastain. Don't know if you've ever met him, but I don't think so. You need to. Okay. You need to go out there and take a tour. Okay. See what they're doing. But I'd love to. Pat is, yeah, I'll get emotional talking about okay. him. I just love that man. And he does an amazing job there and he puts up with me and which that in itself. I mean, you know, I'm kind of a little Mike in a way. Now, uh,
1: let's call a quick timeout, because some of you may be, this may be your introduction to Jamie, so this mysterious Mike that we keep referring to.
0: And I know they know who he is, right?
1: Well, he's kind of a big deal. We're talking about Mike Kaplan, who has been called one of Macon's favorite sons, still trying to get to the bottom of how you become eligible for that, if you're nominated or whatever. But uh, what I was going to ask you is, um, can you beat Mike in golf? Have you beaten him before?
0: Well, see, so we've never played head-to-head. Okay. You know, that explains...
1: That could why be a charity event.
0: That explains why he won't play with me.
1: Because he'd lose. That, I wonder that's why, why he charity, play with That's me. a charity event unto that's itself. That's funny.
0: That's funny. I think my handicap has been lower than his at yeah. one time, but we're probably... I mean, he's so good. If we played head-to-head, because he's really good in tournaments mm-hmm. and when there's pressure, I think he'd get me. I think he'd get me. But a little fun fact. Yes. Mike has had two holes in one, a hole in ones, however you say that. Yeah. He's had two. I've had one on the same exact hole at the same exact pin position.
1: Which was what? (laughs) Number
0: two at Idlauer. Wow. So, he's had two, and I've had one, number two at Idlauer, same pin position. Okay,
1: I need to know the pin position because my youngest son had one there. His was, like, right in the middle.
0: Yeah, this was front. Yeah. And uh, so that was January. That was uh, you know everybody loves to have a hole in one. It's so funny that people go, "Oh my gosh, you're so yeah. good at golf." I went, yeah. "A hole in one is not." Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're good because you got to get it on the green, but right. it's there's a lot of luck with. Yeah, if it, if it had to do with being good, the pros would have a hole in one all the time, right? Sure. And then I I reached my other goal. I've been wanting to get be on the green and, and my with my drive on number eleven. Now I play the green tees. So I played okay. the four teeth, But the last that. day okay. I played, it was right before Selfish Saturday. Have oh. you ever talked about that on your podcast? Selfish
1: Saturday. I'm not familiar with that event.
0: I'll tell you about it later. Okay. When we're okay. off here. Yeah. But, uh, so it was the last time I played before then, and, and I finally, <laughs> finally drove it on the par nice. four green on number 11. Nice. I three-putted.
1: Uh-oh. Yeah. We, don't want. Well, we can but, edit that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so one question I usually ask people, such as yourself, is... If you could have dinner with four people, living or dead, oh, wow. who would it be? But in your case, we're going to change it okay. to four people that you know because you know so many famous people. Okay. Now they can have passed on. That's okay. Okay. But people that you know. Oh wow. That you could.
0: Pick what up if I've already had dinner with them?
1: Then you could have it again.
0: Okay. All right. So Martina. Okay. I mean, I can't even say enough great things about her and um what is she, is
1: she like is she funny i mean oh
0: she's first of all she's very intelligent sure she's funny mm-hmm. she's engaging mm-hmm. uh so i was down in in my i was going to miami and called her up and i said hey you know i'm gonna be in miami have some friends that are gonna be down there too can we meet you for lunch and she was like sure so you know so ashley Co you know ashley yeah, Copeland. yeah. so Chan was, her son was, I don't know, eight at the time. And Elizabeth a little bit older. Maybe he was a little bit older than that. Mm -hmm. Maybe 10. I don't remember. But, so we met her for lunch. And she just sat there with Chan, this this kid. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about cars. And she knew all about everything with cars. And just... And then with Elizabeth, just engaging with her and mm-hmm. talking about stuff that that interested Elizabeth. Right. And then with Ashley, just, I don't know. It was, she's not one of those that, you know, you come and she thinks it's all going to be about her. and right. Talk to me and, you know, tell me how great I am and all that. It was, so tell me, tell me about you. Tam, what do you like? You know, what, what interests you? And then, what you know, he told her and then she carried on a, conversation with him about it for several minutes yeah so um i've been down there a few other times it's been several years yeah um well you know five years or Mm so but um
1: so martina's sitting here who else
0: okay well, now I know, and I just saw John Smoltz on Monday. Okay, and
1: he would be upset if you didn't include him.
0: Yeah, well, I better include him, and okay. I, you know, well, I've, you I've know. seen him at his event. Right, he showed me the coolest thing. It was, it was really neat the other day. So, I, you know, I've seen John for years. Right, can I tell a real cool story? Sure, about John? absolutely. That's why we're here. Okay, so somehow along the way, I ended up with John Smoltz.